this is this epistle is just filled with these this topic of joy all throughout it. There's about five different Greek words that express that. I grew up, I went to college with a girl named Kara. Anybody knew anybody named Kara before? Not Karis, that's my wife's name, but, uh, but Kara. Uh, her name, if you knew a girl or a lady named that, uh, that her name means joy. That's what her name means. It's the Greek word for joy. And uh, uh, But Kara. Uh, then there's Cairo, not any relationship to the Egyptian Cairo, okay? All right, but Cairo, that means uh, full of joy. And then there's other words that aren't used as much, but yet they're there, rejoicing or boasting is the idea. Or there is also another word that uh, relates to not just rejoicing, but rejoicing together. There's a difference, you know. I can say, I rejoice, but then I can say that we rejoice together. Uh, in, the, in the Greek language, it would have been a different word altogether. And then there is another idea of, of, of joy, and that is that a, a glory, a glorying or a boasting type of joy. And uh, there's joy and praying in the book. There's, uh, there's being happy and cheerful that the gospel is preached in this book. There's the different occasions for joy. Uh, about uh, Paul has an occasion for joy uh, that he's still alive and he still gets to preach the gospel. And the Philippians have joy because he is still alive and he can still help them. Unity brings joy, the book tells us. Uh, there is a, there's a joy when people stay with the faith. There's a joy in that. Uh, there's joy and cheerfulness whenever somebody sacrifices their life for, for us. And, uh, there's, there's joy uh, whenever you sacrifice your life for me. Uh, whenever you see someone that's sick and that's gotten well, that there's joy in that, right? There's joy there. There's happiness. Uh, we rejoice in Christ. We have our boast in Christ. When you lead somebody to the Lord, there's joy in leading somebody to Christ. Uh, our joy is to be continuous. It's to be always, as he says. And then there's joy in giving. There's joy in giving. It's better to give than it is to what? Receive. There is a joy in receiving. Amen. But there is also, but there's a greater joy in giving. There's a greater joy in giving. So those are just, those are the themes that are all throughout there. I'm not going to look at those tonight. That's not my point here this evening, because we want to look at those uh, later on. But I want to just tonight, just kind of, uh, for the few minutes that we have here left, is just look into this one word, joy. So what does joy mean? Well, the simplest definition of joy is that joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness, all right? That's just, that's just the simplest, mundane, run-of-the-mill Webster's Dictionary that you got right there. It is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Uh, if you were to uh, go back a, a few years, about uh, into the 1800s, you would find a, another dictionary, the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and he describes it a little bit more, and he says, it is the passion or the emotion or the excited, or being excited about acquisition or an ex expectation of good. It is that excitement of pleasurable feelings which is caused by success or good fortune or gratification of some desire or some good that somebody has possessed or by a rational prospect of possessing what we love or desire. It's gladness, it's exultation, it's happiness, it's exhilaration of spirits. That's what he describes. That's what Webster in his 1828 dictionary describes it. Another definition he gives is this. He says that joy is the delight of mind 
from the consideration of the present or assured approaching possession of a good. I'm just, I'm just reading to you what the dictionary says. There's, there's different ways to define it. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia defines joy as this. He said, it says, Christian joy is no mere gaiety. All right? It's not just happiness or uh, that knows no gloom. But it's rather, I like this, the Christian joy is one that results of the triumph of faith over adverse and triumph circumstances, which instead of hindering joy, actually enhance joy. All right, an illusion, I lost myself. All right, uh, what he's saying there is that when trials come in Christian joy, uh, trials do not, uh, they say joy is, Christian joy is not the absence of gloom. That's not Christian joy. Christian joy is not the absence of trials, okay? In fact, it's the quite opposite. It's the fact that when trials come, it does not, uh, it does not hinder joy. But when trials come, what happens for a Christian is that it actually will enhance joy. You say, you got a Bible verse on that? Yeah, I got a proof text, all right? Acts 5.41, all right? If you, it, you don't really have to turn there. I can turn there pretty quick and... Uh, read it for you, but Acts chapter 5 and verse number 41, whenever the disciples were persecuted for the cause of Christ, it says this, and they were departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. That's the name of Jesus. Uh, so their persecution did not hinder their joy, but rather it advanced their joy. It, 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 it furthered their joy. Now joy is a feeling, all right? It is something that we do feel. Uh, one pastor said that uh, feelings are not something that you turn on and turn off, right? I mean, it's not something that you logically process through. I mean, if a bear, uh, if you're camping and you see a silhouette of a bear outside of the campfire and you see the bear and he's snarling and he's maybe hurt and, and, and you're just in a tent, praise God, right? You know what I mean? And you look out there, I mean, you don't think in your mind, okay, that's a medium-sized bear. I think I could probably take him on, you know. Uh, you don't think, well, he's kind of big. He might be hurt. He looks a little hungry. That means that I should probably be afraid. You don't think like that, right? No, you're just immediately fearful. Why? Because fear is a feeling, right? It's a feeling that, that comes into our hearts and Joy is that same thing. In fact, joy is something that comes into our hearts, but it's only being processed through the Holy Spirit of God. So how do you know that? Well, Philippians or Galatians 5, verse number 22 tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the next one? Joy. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. So that's a, a feeling that only God can produce, all right? It's only God that can allow that to exist in our life. But another author goes on to say that the true definition of joy, and I like what, the, I like what she said. She said, the true definition of joy goes beyond the limited explanation presented in a dictionary. <laughs> and that's so true. We really can't define it. We can't put our finger on it. It's like trying to pin down mercury. Uh, I mean, you just can't do it. It's not going to happen. But what it, what it, is, what it is something in our, in our life is that the Bible will define it and help us to understand how to have it, what it means, where, how, where it comes from. It is a joy in our life. 
Um, but the Bible defines, we can say this, uh, joy as something more than what the world or something outside the Bible would call it. Um, joy is not just turning the frown upside down, right? Uh, joy is something much greater than that. Uh, it's not just having a good or fleeting emotion that comes quickly like the blowing of the wind. In fact, I do like Webster's second part of his uh, the second part of his second definition. He says, joy is the delight of mind. But listen to this. It is from this point, from this standard. This is where Christians uh, differ at. Is that our joy proceeds from this, from the consideration of the present or the assured approaching possession of a good. What's another word for assured? Hope. Hope. What is a Christian relying on? Why can a Christian have joy? Our joy does not stem from us. It stems from the fact that I can trust God. I can trust in the Lord. You see, if I was just relying upon my own happiness, uh, then that emotion is going to flee. It's going to go. Yesterday was a little bit, I felt a little bit groggy and I was a little bit tired yesterday. You know, uh, Malin had a rough night. She woke up three or four, three times and, you know, woke us up at 430 in the morning, never went back to sleep. One of those kind of deals, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, when you become an adult, you don't get to make up two or three hours later on in the day, right? You know, <laughs> you know, some of you young parents are understanding that. You don't get to say, well, I'm just going to make that up, you know. No, uh, you go throughout the day maybe a little groggy, a, a little tired. Uh, you have feelings that maybe come over you. You can choose to be crabby or, or you can say, I just really don't want to do that right now or be lethargic because, because of the situation at hand, all right? But a Christian, a believer in Christ, uh, has something greater inside of him or her, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is what produces, even on a lethargic, crabby, lack of sleep day, can still give us joy. Amen? Amen. Still. In fact, the Bible tells us, as I read to you already, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Do you realize that Philippians 4.4 4 is a command? A command. But how can God command us to do something that I cannot do. You get what I'm saying? We've all been through difficult times. We've all had tears of heartache. And we've all had difficult spots. How can God just say rejoice? You know? Well, how can I rejoice? This is, I'm going, this is tough, you know? Well, that's what makes it a fruit of the Spirit. And that's what makes joy so wonderful. Because it doesn't proceed from you. It's not something you muster up. It comes from God. And it's in those times that are difficult and tough and hard that you look to God and you say, God, I cannot have any joy except you give it to me cannot be rejoicing God unless you help me. You tell me to do it and I want to follow you. So there must be a way. 
God, please help me in that way. So what have you done? You have taken your eyes off of yourself and you've put them on God. You've put them on the Lord. You say, God, you're my joy. You're who I love. It's not a selfish thing at all. You know, my wife, if I said to my wife uh, tomorrow, I said, hey, sweetheart, um, I want to take you out to dinner on Friday night. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm going to take you, uh, in fact, I'm, I'm going to go to Friday lunch, all right? We'll go down to, we'll go down to Perry's Steakhouse and we'll get the pork chop, all right? <laughs> Anybody know about the pork chop at Perry's? I don't get the half-off pork. We'll go down there, all right? Because I want to be with you, all right? I want to be with you. And it makes me so happy that I get to be with you and I get to go out with you. And I don't care if we go to Perry's Steakhouse or if we go to uh, Taco Cabana, all right? As long as I'm with you, I am happy. I'm happy. Now, is my wife going to say, well, that's the most selfish thing I've ever heard? No. She's not going to say that. All you're concerned about is your happiness, aren't you? No, she's not going to say that at all. What, is, what, is, what am I saying when I say that? I'm not saying that I'm, I'm being honoring to her. I'm saying, I love you. I want to spend time with you. You're special to me. And you know what? Whenever we talk to God in that way, we're not being self-righteous, selfish people. We're saying, no, God, you're my joy, and you're the one that makes me happy. I want to be with you. I want to serve you, God. I love you. So feelings can come and go. But we can still have joy through the Holy Spirit of God. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Uh, Psalm 32, 11 says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. So in the study of joy, we will not be so much noticing what joy is. We're not in the trying to, to define it every single time. I'll just say it simply. It is happiness. It is gladness. It's delight of mind. It's exhilaration of spirit. It's rejoicing, pleasure, enjoyment, bliss. In fact, the Old Testament and the New Testament use a several different variety of words to define even the very word. We do the same thing in our own language. Like I said, and even in this own epistle, we have five different words to describe what joy is. But it's the second part. The second part of that definition that really gets me. It is the consideration of the present or assured approach and possession of a good. Joy is maintained and had in our hearts through a source that is outside of ourselves. That's the Holy Spirit. Fruit of the what? Spirit. Spirit. You cannot separate joy and the other Christian qualities like peace and love and hope. They're interconnected because it all goes back to Jesus Christ. Like I read in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 1 where it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 3.3 3 even says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Now, other religions will mention joy. Uh, but it's unlike the joy that is had with us. Um, it must be admitted before I give this, I do want to let everybody know that, uh, that the majority of world, world religions will at least admit one truth, and that is that joy 
is in some way and somehow not connected to themselves, like they're saying that joy cannot be produced themselves. They must find it in some other reality somewhere else. Hinduism will lead you to believe that joy, though, is ultimately found in reconnecting with oneself. This is not my words. I'm taking it directly from, uh, from Hinduism uh, uh, sources. So uh, joy comes from connecting with oneself, all right? But the problem that you have there is this, is that I'm sinful, and, I, and I'm not perfect. Where does that end at? And their ultimate end would be in finally in a uh, state of uh, passing beyond reincarnation into, uh, into a, another level and being just one with self. Islam would say that joy comes is really just a, another form of happiness. The, the, the issue with Islam is this, is that I'm not saying that nobody's happy in Islam or nobody, nobody says that they're not happy. I'm not saying that. But if you read the Quran, you'll only find 25 times the word joy or happiness mentioned. Uh, in the New Testament alone, joy is mentioned 59 times. Rejoicing is mentioned 74 times. That's just those two words right there. That's not even considering the Old Testament. In fact, Allah may uh, choose to take away your happiness any time that he wants to. Uh, no reason. Judaism says that joy is the ability to celebrate life with security, to enjoy the presence of others, and to care for and give joy to others. It's amazing to me that when I was reading into Judaism, uh, the I guess... Uh, secular Judaism, or modern day Judaism is that, uh, and you read about joy, is that there is not one mention of God, hardly at all. It's more of a community-wide uh, effort. It's more of the idea of meeting together and enjoying the presence of others. Uh, and Buddhism teaches that joy is inherent uh, and an aspect of our nature and mind. Um, the problem is this, is that most people don't have joy. So where does that come from? Though it will be admitted, as I said, these four world religions, uh, I will admit that joy is not all the time found in you, and it's ultimately that God will give it to you or take it away from you. But the central meaning for all four of these religions is this, is that joy is ultimately connected, interconnected to one's own good. One's own good. So, really, it's looking inward instead of what the scriptures teach, and that is looking outward. We say the little phrase to children sometimes, what is the acronym for joy? It is what? It is Jesus, others, you. But the world constantly teaches that joy and happiness starts with you. It starts with you. And if you look at you, then you'll have joy. You'll have happiness. But that's not the way it works. I'm not saying all Jews or all Muslims or all Hindus are like that. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying on a broad basis, that is the teaching. So when I say joy, that Christians have joy, and it's unlike any other value that other religions have, it's not that other Christian, other religions don't speak of joy. It's just that Christianity, in Christianity, joy stands out. And the reason it stands out is because our Savior was joyous. 
Our Savior was joyous. He was joyful. Jesus wasn't a stoic. Jesus wasn't an ascetic. Jesus, he, he didn't always walk around with a stern and furrowed in his, furrowed in his brow. I used to think, I used to kind of have that opinion of Jesus Christ, that he was always furrowed in his brow, that he was always kind of just uh, 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 kind of, if you will, a little standoffish, maybe a little down on people, uh, looking down on people. But that's not the way Jesus was at all. I mean, he took little children up on his lap. Uh, I mean, the Bible teaches us so many things. The Bible, uh, and I was blown away by, by, by this, about his, about his life. In fact, there are many hints that in spite of the profound elements of grief and tragedy in Jesus Christ's life, that he still lived a life of joy and gladness. He certainly was not gloomy. He certainly was not a stoic. He certainly was not an ascetic. You know, what ascetic, asceticism is, is that, you know, abstaining from anything that's fun, anything that's good, anything that's pleasurable, uh, you know, uh, just eating rice and beans and beans and rice. You know, that's your, that's your, uh, uh, that's your uh, diet plan. And just for a, a moment, uh, in, in Luke chapter number 10, in fact, we read about this, that Jesus' life began with joy. It began with joy. In fact, the announcement of Jesus says this, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy that shall be to all people. So Jesus' beginnings begin with joy. It is both exemplified in his life and in his character. Uh, Jesus in Mark chapter number 2, verses number 18 through uh, 20, describes himself as joyful. Uh, Jesus in Matthew eleven nineteen, and we don't have time to turn to all of these passages, but Jesus in Matthew eleven nineteen, what is he charged with? He's charged with being a gluttonous and a wine bibber, right? All right. What what is what is what is somebody that if you charge somebody that's being gluttonous and a wine bibber, you know, do you say they're just kind of a gloomy fellow? You know, <laughs> no. Somebody that's being charged with being gluttonous and a wine. Now, we know Jesus wasn't a drunk, amen? And we know Jesus wasn't a gluttony, never sinned, all right? That was the charge of the Pharisees. But the point was this, is that the Pharisees were ascetics. They were Stoics. I mean, they had stern and furrowed brows, all right? I mean, they looked down on everybody, you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, we can't have this, and we can't have that, and we can't touch this. And, and uh, they kind of like John, right? Only that John was a little bit more stoic than them, right? I mean, he wore camel's hair and ate grasshoppers, okay? And ate wild honey. I mean, they were like, man, we can't outpatch this guy, right? I mean, we can't, this guy's beyond us, you know? And then Jesus comes on the scene, and he's going to weddings and feasts, and, you know, and, and, he's, and he's eating and drinking and just having a good time with everybody, and he's meeting with prostitutes, and he's meeting with publicans, and he's talking to every single person that is around them, and they're going, who is this guy, right? They don't get it. And then we have this idea that, you know, Jesus is this stern person, all right? I'm not saying that he wasn't serious. He was definitely very serious at times. But Jesus, like, like John the Baptist came eating and drinking, Jesus was among the common people. He was commonly seen at feasts and at weddings. Uh, he was congenial at social festivities. Uh, he re in Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 21 says that he rejoiced in his spirit. 
In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in his spirit and said, I thank thee, O my Father, O Lord. He was happy at times. He was rejoicing at times. He was saying, the Bible says, no, Jesus never laughed. Well, Luke 10, 21 says he rejoiced. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it means he laughed or he chuckled or whatever. He was happy, all right? You know, you're, not, you're, not, you're not rejoicing if you're not happy, okay? He even says, he even says, I have joy to give you, right? In Luke, in John chapter number 15 and verse number 11. In John 17, 13, he teaches the meanings of blessedness. And I mean, Jesus taught us what it meant to be happy. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through, through 11. Blessed, blessed, blessed. The Beatitudes, right? You know what the word blessed is? It's just another translation for the word joy. Happy is what it means. Happy. Blessed if you do these things. That was in contrast to the modern day counterpart, to the modern day counterparts, the Pharisees, who were said to have a sad countenance in Matthew 6, 16. Jesus says, when you're fasting, even when you're fasting, you ought to have a bright countenance. Ever thought about that? He said, he said wash your head and put oil on your face. All right? And if y'all put all all of all on your face today, you never do that, no, no. Okay. Well, if you did that, you'd have a sheen about you. You know what I mean? It'd shine. He said, let, "Let your face shine when you're even when you're fasting." Pharisees, they they you know what they would do? They they put makeup on, and they they'd look down, they look depressed. Somebody said, "What's wrong with you?" I'm fasting. They wanted to tell everybody. That's the way they were. Jesus says, don't do that. The spirit of joy is reflected in the parables. You ever thought, I mean, have you ever thought about this? I've never considered this before. This is a whole, I mean, this is a whole nother thing. I mean, we could just look at this for a, a several different sermons right here, but I'm not going to do that to you uh, here, here. But the discovery, uh, listen to this. All right, let's just go through, let's just go through the discovery of true tre treasure, Matthew 13, 40, 44, whenever they find the treasure in the field, what does it say? It says he brings joy. <laughs> I mean, the three there's three parables in Luke 15. All of them reveal the joy of the divine heart itself when God has, whenever there is repentance of a sinner. God says there is joy in heaven, right, when there's one sinner that is brought to repentance. Joy. There's rejoicing. There's happiness. The parable of the talents stressed this, that whenever uh, the person that had ten, the person that had five, and they increased and they doubled, he said, what was the reward? They would enter into the what? Joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Amen. We should be smiling a little bit more. Amen. I encourage you. We should, be, we should have a, a happy countenance. You say, I said, that's just not my disposition. You know, I came out looking like this. <laughs> you know, that's what people say sometimes, you know. It's like, well, you just need to leave, let Jesus change you a little bit, amen? Let Jesus get in your heart. The world doesn't have that kind of joy, man. You see somebody that's smiling, that's radiant. I mean, somebody that's got a smile on their face. And I'm not saying walk around plastered it on there or anything like that. Don't paint it on in the morning. But what I am saying is this, is that.
that people that are joyful and genuinely happy, people notice that. People see that. People pick up on that. Why? Because people are not genuinely joyful and happy. Life is hard. Life throws you curveballs. You have a bad day at work, and so what do you do? You go home and you pour yourself a couple of drinks. Okay. Don't seem so bad. But then you have another hard day at work on Tuesday. And you go home and you do the exact same thing. Then Wednesday wasn't so bad, but you know what? You already had a couple of drinks on Tuesday, so you might as well pour you a couple of drinks on Wednesday. And before you know it, you've gone two or three, four or five weeks in a row, and now it's not just a couple of drinks. Now it's a little bit more, and it's a little bit more. Or it's this, or it's that, or, or whatever it is. I mean, it's one thing after another, or it's a bad relationship, or it's somebody's got something happening to them, or their mom's in the hospital, and, and they don't have any hope of them ever getting out, or, 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 or any hope of ever seeing them ever again after they die. I mean, it's one thing after another that's piling on people, and joy is escaping them. It's not something that's inherent with inside of them, but it's rather something that God gives to us, as believers, when we look to him and we say, God, we need your joy. So to review, our aim for this series here will not be to define joy as much as it is to see what joy is. Also, joy in Christianity is not found in my own good, like some of other religions might teach or some of the world might teach, but rather my joy is found in Christ and our joy is found in Jesus because that is where our good is. That is where our wealth is. That's where our satisfaction, our pleasure, our hope is found in the Lord. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Jesus says that, or Peter says this when he's talking about his Lord. He says in 1 Peter 1.8, Whom having not seen, you love, and whom having, though you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Jesus was joyful, therefore we should be his joyful followers. In our study of Philippians, and we're going to consider these things about joy in a small way. We're going to see how to be joyful, what to rejoice in, what should bring us to joy. And I think the book of Philippians answers many of those questions for us. May God help us in our study. Father, we're thankful for the word. We're thankful for joy. Lord, we cannot have joy on our own. It's not something we can muster up. It's not something that we can gain. But it's, Lord, something that, Lord, only you can give. And we pray that, Father, you please would help us, Father, to trust you for it and look to Christ for our joy. May we rejoice in the Lord always. Oh Lord, we may not be able to rejoice in life circumstances. We may not be able to rejoice in, uh, in uh, that past relationship, Father. We might not be able to rejoice in the, uh, the different uh, sicknesses or illnesses that, Lord, we come up against, Lord, or a bad habit that, Lord, we have or maybe uh, somebody in our life has. But, Lord, we can rejoice in you. Rejoice in the Lord. For, Lord, you are our good. You are our portion. You are our pleasure. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Oh, God, you are our satisfaction. Father, may you be our joy. 
Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.